When you take a look at the life of Moses, you see a lot of illustrations that pop out, giving us illustrations of Jesus. But we also see illustrations of our self, our fallen sinful nature. After all, Moses was one of us. Join us as we continue our look at the life of Moses next on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Moses, meekness and Messiah. We're looking at Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13, as well as Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. We've seen a tragedy of stunning proportions out of Numbers chapter 20, a failure to affirm God as the source, an identity crisis of the flesh, twice smitten rock. We'll talk about that today further. We want to also look at his troubled childhood and a trying but triumphant leadership. That's all straight ahead in the next couple of programs. Won't you join us? From Grace Bible Church in Hayward, here's Pastor Jessica Stan with this edition of Way of Grace. The power and the authority and the right of privilege that we have as human beings, the freedom to control the world and dominate it and rule it and subdue it. Didn't God give that to us? The freedom to explore and to express yourself must be reined in as a servant of God so that we don't steal God's glory, which is what Moses did for a moment, and it shut him out. Meekness is the capacity to always remember it's not about me. See, a true servant operates out of a second position before his master all the time. The mistake we make, ladies and gentlemen, is we are the master of our own course. We are the captain of our own ship. We do what we want to do. And that's not humility. And we can't expect the commendation of well done, my good and faithful servant, where what does not precede that commendation is meekness. Now, again, meekness is the byproduct of humility working in your life as a fetter to shut you up, to limit you, to bind you, to keep you from going where you want to go, when you want to go, doing what you want to do, when you want to do it. Isn't that frustrating? Can I talk to you today? Because, see, we live in a culture here in America where it's all about you. Everybody commends you for being on top of your game and there's no one that silhouettes you. There's no one that precedes you. There's no one that rules over you. There's no one that can tell you what to do. You are your own boss. And everybody goes, yay! And it's the height of rebellion and demonic expression of satanic agenda. Here's the fourth one. Meekness implies a spirit of gratitude as opposed to an attitude of self-sufficiency and entitlement. Meekness implies a spirit of gratitude. Y'all got that? I'm so glad to be a slave of Christ and of God. 
I would ruin the universe if I was in control. And it has taken almost 40 years in Christ to teach me how I would ruin this world if I had my way. The greatest dignity is that somebody better than you has control over you. Meekness implies a spirit of gratitude. Somebody bought me off the chopping block of hell. Paid for me and brought me in and dignified me with his name and changed my clothes and gave me his garments and put his stamp on me and made me his child. It's called adoption. Hallelujah. It implies a greater power beyond oneself, a recognition of God and an acceptance of his commandments as our rule. God can tell us whatever he wants. And that's it. His wish is our command. No questions after that. Every other form of gainsaying is rebellion against God. And you have never heard a meek servant turn around and say, but God, I don't want it like that. You've never heard it. It's what meekness is about. See, one of the attractive things about meekness is when you meet somebody who is meek, you know they have authority. You know they have power. You know they have internal strength. You know they have internal confidence. You know they have skill sets. You know they have abilities. But you also know that they are not so full of themselves that there's no room for anybody else. The other problem with meekness, however, is that it is self-effacing enough for you to think that they are weak people. That they can be taken advantage of or that they are blind and ignorant. When you and I are are aliens, when you and I are foreigners to the virtues and qualities of meekness, you will think a meek person is stupid, ignorant, blind, dumb, irrational, don't have it together, and nothing can be further from the truth. Are you hearing me? And this is how Jesus was perceived. And you're getting ready to learn this is how Moses was perceived. Because Moses points to Messiah by way of a life of meekness. A couple more, and then we'll go into our text. Am I boring you? Number five, the meek man or woman will attain a place of soul rest. As he walks on in meekness, he will be happy to let God defend him. As he walks on in meekness, he'll be happy to let God defend him. Do you know why? Because it's not about him. And if people misinterpret him or misinterpret her, that's God's job to straighten that out. See, when you're a servant, you don't have to fight your own battles, especially when you are in the meekness and and, and attribution of humility, doing what God wants you to do. And people get you wrong. They just get you wrong, darling. I saw God to straighten it out. As you're going to see today, God will jump in and defend you when people get too stupid. (laughs) Couple more. Meekness enables us to be led by the spirit of God. So what that means by way of negation is that if you and I are not meek, it means we're not being led by the spirit. Did you get that? You can say you are meek all you want to, but if you are meek, you are being led by God's spirit. 
There's one entity in the universe for whom you say, not my will be done, but thine. And it will be, it will be evident in your life that you're a meek person when you say what matters to me is what matters to God. Are you guys hearing me? One more before we go on and deal with a fascinating story around the men of Moses that I think that I hope comes home in your uh, thinking today. Number seven, to men and women everywhere, Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. The rest he offers is the rest of meekness, the blessed relief which comes when we accept ourselves for what we are and cease to pretend to be something that we're not. In other words, meekness allows you to be free. And recognize you jacked up. But you paid for. And that the one that paid for you has an infallible mission of conforming you to the image of his dear son, And he will not fail until it's accomplished. That too is meekness. You see, the way we preach the gospel at grace, this free grace of God in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ, liberation in Christ, confidence in Christ, is really an attribution of meekness. When we are not meek, we do not preach a free grace gospel. Did you hear what I just stated? People who totally depend upon God to do everything necessary to bring us into communion and fellowship with him in order to bring us to where God wants us to be, have to be meek people. Because it's not about us. It's about him. Now let's go to work. I've got three fundamental topics, three points that I want to deal with. If I have your attention and I'll see how far I can go, that way I don't wear you out. The first point is a tragedy of stunning proportion. Our second point is a troubled childhood. And then our third point is, and final point is, a trying but triumphant leadership. I don't know about you, but looking at Numbers chapter 20, verse 12 and 13, we see a tragedy of stunning proportion. Pull it up, please. Let's make sure our audience is there with us. We are in the wilderness. We are on our way to Canaan. But the people of God have so provoked Moses in a situation, in a condition that they've been in before many times. But on this day, Moses has what I consider the second worst day of his life. Now, if you are righteous people, you will not condemn a man for one mistake and attach that to his life all the rest of his days. You'll only do that if you're wicked. You won't do it if they make two mistakes. You won't do it if they make seven. Because as righteous men and women, based upon reconciliation, called to forgiveness, we are to forgive 70 times, 70 times, which means infinitely, so that people can keep it moving. And never tag them with what they used to be when what they used to be does not really comprise what they really are right now and what they shall be in the future. Unless, of course, you're stuck back there, too. And it's very important. It's very important to understand what happens when you and I act out of character because we can. The term being out of character means it's not a common 
attitude and not a common trait, not a common idiosyncrasy. It's, a, it's an abnormal behavior pattern, you know, just a stupid day, right? A stupid day. We have them. You can have a stupid day. Moses had a stupid day here, and I'm going to unpack that briefly for you. And we're going to look at why, because we need to know why a faithful man can have have an awful fall on any given day. Why does that happen? It's not a mystery. We need to know the chain of events that lead up to a fall so that we don't condemn him in that one act of stupidity for all that God has called good in his life. A tragedy of stunning proportion. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12 and 13, tell us very plainly, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron and said, because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore shall you not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You guys know what that means. Moses died in the wilderness too. But what happened a few verses earlier? The people complained. And Moses and Aaron cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, they're asking for water. And what does God say? I'll give them water. Well, that's not abnormal. Remember what God says, ask and you shall what? Right. And so now God already knows they are messed up people. Like he knows we are messed up people. But he still gives us water. So he was going to give them water, but he told Moses to do it in a specific way. Do y'all remember? He said, Moses, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Don't touch the rock. Don't hit the rock. Don't smite the rock. You did that once before. Speak to the rock. And because Moses and Aaron did something really, really, really just absolutely atrocious, I I need to look at them. Remember what they said? He comes up to the rock and he says to the people these words, must we fetch water out of the rock for you. In that moment, Moses lost his mind. Isn't that right? They, it says over in, uh, in uh, verse 8, and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation of the people together before the rock. And he says, here now ye rebels. He got that right. Must we fetch water out of this rock? Whoa. It's true. By the fruit of your lips, by the words of your mouth, you will either be justified or condemned. And it's true that out of the abundance of the heart doth the mouth speak. It's true. This is a bad day for our brother, isn't it? And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and smote the rock twice and the waters came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beasts. And I want you to know that Moses had to put effort in. He hit it once. And God was silent. This shows you how patient God is with us. You're going to get a lot of revelations today. Get them, write them down because this is only the beginning of a study on meekness, a study on humility and a study on the unchanging nature of a God who is going to always work through the fetters of humility to make you who he is calling you to be. Now, God could have stopped Moses right there at that first strike, but he gave him a chance to get it right. Moses didn't get it right, and he struck a second time. At that point, God knew that Moses now has to be severely disciplined, for he didn't get the first message. 
How many times does God allow us to strike out against his commandments and maintains quietness until at last we continue to strike and then he has to act? Doesn't he have to act? Now he's about to act, but you know what God does first? Shows mercy to these rebels who don't deserve it. And that's what God does to you and all the time. Shows mercy to us when we don't deserve it. He, this here is a revelation again of this God that Moses met in Exodus 34. I'm good, I'm gracious, I'm long-suffering, I'm merciful, I'm kind, but you're not going to get away with sin. You guys see that, right? And here the water comes out abundantly, and this is where God intervenes. And the Lord spake unto Moses there, because you believe me not. Do you guys see that phrase? Because you believed me not. The act of Moses in seeking to fulfill the command that was given by God was done in unbelief. Something had blinded both Moses and Aaron so that while they are executing God's command, they failed to realize this was not about them. This was about God. But what happens in your life and mine when we go from the vertical to the horizontal and we allow the situation or the events that transpire around us to be all about us and not about God. What happens when we fail to recognize that God is simply calling you and I to stay in our position, hold our position, hold our lane, to realize that God will fight our battles. This is not against me. This is against God because all I'm doing is what God is calling me to do. I'm leading you to the promised land. We are almost there. What am I doing wrong? Why are you cussing me out? See, that's the way Moses woke up that day. I'm going to help you see it. And sometimes you wake up that, that way too. And so Moses acts out and God says, no, that was bad. Because now everybody really thinks that you have the power to actually do the kind of miracles that were done. And now everybody is going to make you a God when you were never meant to be a God. You were simply meant to be a servant, an agent, a vehicle, an instrument. As Paul put it, who, are, who is Paul and who is Apollos? But instruments by which God is glorified. One souls, another waters, but God is the one that must give the increase. Now, only humility talks like that. Only humility realizes that you and I, without Christ, can do nothing. Did you hear what I just stated? Only humility will help you talk like a gospel person. Only humility will help you say it's about him. Only humility will grace you to be able to say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Only humility will help you say, I can take that hit because my master put me in this position. Who knows, but taking this hit might work out to God's glory and people's good. See it? Do you see it? And so Moses is in a very serious predicament. Three observations. I want to show you three insights. Don't have time. First, a failure to affirm God as source. Y'all see that, right? See, when you make yourself the source, it's all bad. It's all right for you and I to be the instrument, never the source. Point number two, sub point two in your outline, an identity crisis of the what? An identity crisis of the flesh, just going to bring you and I into the deeper analysis of what Moses has been struggling with that led him up to here. Remember, our topic is about what? Meekness. 
And it's about how humility works in our life to fetter us in and to shut us up and to hinder us from our plans in order to shape our character so that we can become servants of God, right? But here, Moses had an identity crisis. I want to talk about it briefly. We will come back in our second and third point to see clearly what it is. Here's the identity crisis. He said, must we... He had shifted his allegiance from God to his brother Aaron. And he had did exactly what Christ said the Jews were doing when they said, we be Abraham's seed. Christ said, look, God can raise up stones to praise me. You being Abraham's seed doesn't make you automatically in the kingdom. Right? For as many For as many who believed on him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1, 12. Meaning, as you hear people lauding the Jews today, they are not the special people of God. They're a bunch of sinners like the rest of us. If they ever get into the kingdom of God, they will need a new seed. And as long as they're boasting about being the people of God, they're doing what Moses and Aaron did right here, militating against the glory of God and suggesting that their own flesh, their own heritage, their own nature has intrinsic eugenics. That's what the word means. Eugenics means a gene that's good. Now, I know that my Bible says there's none good. No, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that understands. There's none that seeketh after God, the Jew or the Gentile. Would you agree with that? We are only what we are by the grace of God. It's not because we have some superior genetic advantage over anyone else. But I want you to see way, way back down the line that Moses' problem was brewing all the way back to when he was a baby. Have you ever recognized how aspects of your childhood follow you into adulthood and dog you and seek to try to take over your life. Now, I want to share a principle with you in laying down this foundation. When you and I are called to be grown or mature or adults, it means that you ignore your childhood as that which has authority over your life. You can't get rid of your childhood You can't cut it off. You can't dismiss it. But to be grown means that you don't let it run your life. To grow up simply means I got these issues, but they are no longer the defining point in my life. I am mature enough in God by his power and by his grace to not let these attributions, these idiosyncrasies, these characteristics, these traits to dominate my life and then become the excuse why I blow up at everybody. How many of y'all following me? Are we getting ready to go there? Because remember now, Moses is the meekest man in all the earth. God don't lie. Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. 
If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, if you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5 or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or call 510 586-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for His gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless.